Howdy listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian on the phone, and on today's episode we're continuing our sequel September month with our review of the 2019 horror film It Chapter 2, directed by Andy Muschietti and starring Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, Bill Hader, and Bill Skarsgård. And this movie is about a group of adults who return to their hometown to defeat an evil clown slash spirit slash some kind of sci-fi entity. Um, Speaking of sequels, Brian, you just had your own sequel last month. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. A sequel. Family human sequel. (laughs) Yeah. Part two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We we had a baby in August. Second, Second baby. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks, buddy. So yeah, this has been, even though you've been hearing us every week, dear listeners, this is the first time Ashvin and I have talked on the phone in like a month. Yeah, so apologies if this is awkward and we lost the chemistry. <laughs> yeah, we forget what to do, yeah. which may be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> this is the fresh start we needed. Yeah. Um, but to the uh, having like a year and a half of watching horror films uh, have any impact on your sequel? A year and a half of watching horror films? Uh, of like having this podcast going, I oh, guess. Oh, have <laughs> yeah. How does that? Yeah, it really changed to... the way we did some things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, oh yeah, like not letting the baby in front of like a, a blank TV screen, right? Yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, you, you probably don't have the, like those nighttime cameras that are wa- that you're watching the next day, right? Oh, dude, I can't remember if I, I probably mentioned this on the podcast before, but one night with our older one. I turned on the, uh, we have a video monitor, mm-hmm. and I saw a man standing in his room bending over his oh bed. Oh my God, get out of here. <laughs> was he, what? The spoiler is that it was me, and the camera, it's like on a delay, <laughs> so when you turn on the, the monitor, it shows you the last thing it saw while the monitor oh. was still on. Oh my God, that is So scary. I saw myself bending over his bed, but I was, like my heart skipped a beat, and my stomach sank. Yeah. Holy it was shit. creepy. And it was like night vision too. So there's just like this night vision man bending over my son's <laughs> bed. Yeah, that is frightening, man. <laughs> Glad you figured yeah. that out. Better been embarrassing otherwise. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. No, I'm glad uh, we got you back here. And uh, we're, we're doing a fresh episode. It's been a while. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe we can, uh, we'll plug our Discord server at the end of this when we're closing up shop so we don't have to interject every episode with the intro anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe a couple more. It'll be a live uh, a live uh, plug. Yeah, but we, uh, we've still got a couple more on Backlog before we start cranking things out in real time. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the last recent ones that we did in real time uh, more recently was Chapter 1 of It, right? Like, I feel like that was one of the last ones we might have... Yeah, that was the last thing we did. That and I think we did that in uh, next week's episode on in the same thing. Okay, cool. The same recording sesh. And as I recall, we both loved chapter one, but on second view more than the first view, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really interesting. What? Yeah. What genre would you put it in? I guess I'd just call it supernatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eh, creepy clown subgenre. Yeah, and, and in this one, they kind of go into some more of his backstory. He's essentially kind of like a, a cosmic alien or something, isn't he? Kind of, yeah. I wish that one of us had read the book to know more about it. <laughs> the, it was a bit scattershot what they did with the plot and, and 
Pennywise's background in this movie, and I wish I had more background yeah. on where they were coming from. Yeah, yeah, no, me too. Um, that's definitely a big blind spot for me. And I was trying to find, uh, trying to see how well this aligns with the book, but I'm convinced no one's actually finished that book with like how long it is. <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty epically long. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, uh, oh, go ahead. You know, asking about this subgenre, I mean, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies are more slashers, but Pennywise and uh, Freddy are pretty similar. Like, they're not, Pennywise doesn't appear in dreams, but they like are imaginary things to an extent that feed on your fear and you, the more you believe in them, the more vulnerable you are to them. Oh yeah, really playing to that like psychological, personal element. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's like, yeah, yeah, actually you're right. That, that's kind of like the coolest part about them is they're able to get inside these characters' heads and really prey on what they know they're scared of. Yep. Yeah, which is a way for me to uh, plug our Patreon, which I recently started. Um, <laughs> well, I was, the first week of our son's life, I had to like, we each took shifts staying awake with him and holding him because he would only sleep while we were holding him. And I watched the entirety of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, as I already told you, Ashvin, and recorded a little episode on my thoughts on the whole franchise that I think I'm going to plop onto our uh, newly opened Patreon uh, website and put that there as some bonus content. So hopefully by the time you hear this, if you go to patreon.com slash horror movie club, it will be out there or there'll be nothing out there. And if you if you want to throw us some spare change, we'd appreciate it. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I can't wait to hear that uh, version of, or yeah, your take on the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, but yeah, really, really cool. My take on it, I actually, I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've, I've, I feel like I've only seen one or two, but yeah, I'm excited to explore that one a bit more. Yeah, um, yeah, they were all on Shutter, so it worked out pretty. Well. Or six of the nine were on Shutter, so it worked out well. Okay, uh, but yeah, no, really, really interesting parallel. I think you're exactly right. I mean, what's what's scarier than that? That's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this one again, the same director, Andy Muschietti, um, who he, really interesting uh, history. Uh, this guy did Mama in like I don't know, 2013, 14 on a fifteen million dollar budget. Then he like goes up to it at thirty five, and then this one at sixty, and then his next film is The Flash, which is that DC movie. So, how's this guy getting so big so quick? Yeah, I I wanted to look more into that too. It just kind of. I don't know if he knew somebody or what, but yeah. he really doesn't have many movies under his belt. I know, I know. And to be like handed like these big uh, franchises or like, yeah, blockbuster films is wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe it's that last name. It sounds Italian. People associate him with the whole Italian film scene. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like yeah. Uh, and this is his, I think we mentioned this in the It, the original It episode or the first the 2017 film. This is his second time working with Jessica Jastain. Oh, right. Yeah. And Mama too. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great to see her, uh, on film. I, I actually, the overall, the cast here, I mean, can you believe the cast that they got for this? It's such a good cast. And I not, I cannot believe how similar they look to the yeah. kids too. I know some people have mixed opinions on that, but I think they did. It was spot on. And I think all the actors did a really good job of channeling the acting of the kids too yeah yeah they really captured that same uh, character for sure yeah yeah I, I don't know how they pulled that off that's that's amazing yeah, to get this cast to make it align so well with the first one uh, that's pretty crazy agreed um 
the speaking of the original book again for a second uh so you know i, I always thought it was like a, a hailed book like a, you know a, a big success but I, I guess it was actually met with a lot of criticism um maybe stephen king was on cocaine or something when he wrote it i mean it took a long time for him to write uh there's also some like really weird child sex stuff happening in there um are, are you like aware of all like the criticisms or the controversies with the book only a few i am aware of that child sex scene yeah i do you feel like people are making a big enough deal about that um I don't know, man. It, it's it's weird, and without reading it, it's hard to say. Like, <laughs> it's kind of messed up, but then, like at the same time, I feel like Stephen King has a pretty like honest account of childhood mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like he treats children like real characters. Yeah. Um. And you know, weird things happen when you're young, I guess. But that's really weird, and and a strange thing to just move forward and put in a book. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, all all those books, like yeah, do play have a big childhood impact and influence. Obviously, that's like a segment he deals with a lot. Um, but yeah, maybe you're right. Like maybe because no one actually knows the context of it because it's buried in like this two thousand page book. No one like can really comment on it, but I, feel, I, I just feel like in 2019 now, maybe in like in the 80s or whatever, that was fine. But I'm just surprised in 2019, we're not like you know turning around and like being like, hey, maybe Stephen King, it's not that cool to be doing that. Yeah, yeah, if that was in a book these days. It probably just wouldn't have made it into the book these yeah. days. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I think more people have read It, man, than you're giving them credit for. I guess I, mean, I just I haven't met them yet. Have you? Uh, Whitney on our Discord server. I think she's read it two or three times. Ah, cool, cool. Yeah. Oh, actually, actually, right after we saw this movie, uh, Kyle and I went to a bar, and, and the guy next to us had read it, but he was going to see it, so I, so I couldn't ask him, like, uh, you know, what, how it compares. But oh, gotcha. I guess, I guess there was one stranger. Uh, gotcha. Okay, okay, so we know at least two people. Who read the bar. <laughs> that stranger and Whitney. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, I, I, this is the first time I noticed Stephen King in a film. Apparently he's done other cameos, but have, have you noticed him before? Um, I haven't noticed him in his own stuff. Well, he's, I mean, he's in, you wouldn't call it a cameo, but he's in Creepshow, and he was the screenwriter for Creepshow. Mm-hmm. And, and he, but, plays, he plays himself? No, he doesn't play himself. Oh, okay. He plays Jordy Verhill. You remember that? Or is that uh, his name? The nah. dude who's with the meteorite that lands in his yard? Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Jo- Jordy Verrill? Yeah. Yeah. Can't that's, remember his name. Sounding more familiar now. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, that's pretty cool. And yeah, it's yeah, cool to see him in this film. He's, he's aged pretty well. Um, funny character. Uh, any other interesting background on this? Uh, not really, man. I, there's not a ton of background on this movie, strangely enough. Um, oh, I think the two kids, Sophia Lillis and Finn Wolfhard, like if they were asked, like who could you pick? Who would you pick to play you? Mm-hmm. And they picked Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader, and that's who they ended up going with. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, um in, in any connections to Ohio? Oh yeah, <laughs> this is such a lame <laughs> connection to Ohio, but. I'm going with it because it was like included in a local newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, it was some paper in like Tuscarawas County or something like that, uh, or New Philadelphia maybe. It was an article about a teacher in Dover who used to live in Sacramento, 
California, where she was a drama teacher and taught Jessica Chastain in high school for all four years. <laughs> in, <laughs> and the uh, article made a point of saying all four years. All four years of Jessica. It was just kind of like a quaint <laughs> article to come upon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's random. Uh, yeah. Oh, so Jessica Chastain is from Sacramento? I think she grew up there, yeah. Oh, okay. Or at least went to high school there. Cool. And had a teacher that now lives in Ohio. That's nice. Um, oh, spoiler. Well, I'll, I'll get to it when we get to the plot. <laughs> okay. Well, another connection? Uh, no, no. Just something that we talked about in our original It episode. Oh, okay, okay. Um, other background. Did you notice there was a de-aging for the child actors? Oh, no. I heard someone mention that. Did that actually happen? Yeah. Yeah, they did. That's how they did it. Uh, what do you mean? Like, do you CGI on the kids? Yeah, I don't know what the uh, what the technology is, but there's this de-aging technology that they're using in a lot of movies these days Wow! to make people look younger, and the kids apparently had grown up quite a bit. So Yeah. I did notice in a couple of scenes some of the kids looked pretty uh, glossy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You could tell a little bit. Huh. I wonder why we're not using that technology every day on each other. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I, I kind of felt like I, I did feel like Bill, like, uh, there was like a close up on him and I don't know, he looked like just like dramatically young. Um, so maybe it was a little bit unnatural. Yeah. I remember a scene where Finn Wolfhard almost looked a little like shiny or glossy or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That stuff. I mean, yeah, he definitely didn't look like, uh, his Stranger Things counterpart. Yeah. That he's been doing. Um, um I, did you expect to see the kids so much in this one? I did. I knew there were a lot of flashbacks just from seeing the miniseries. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that, that was a complete surprise for me. I, th- I thought it was going to be like one and done. Like the kids were in the last one and this is going to be all adults. Yeah. I, I guess not. Uh, this movie's got $190.5 million at the box office so far as, as of us recording this on September 12th. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, it broke Fandango's record for the most advanced tickets sold by a horror film. Wow. Yeah, pretty highly anticipated. Yeah, and as we've talked about before with this this being like a resurgence of Stephen King, this is the second Stephen King adaptation released theatrically in 2019. After Pet Cemetery. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, I feel like of the more recent Stephen King films, this one has been met with more mixed criticism. I think on Rotten Tomatoes it's only at like a 60 or 65%. Yeah, well, Pet Cemetery got a lot of mixed reviews too. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's a tough one when you try to even, redo these Even ones. though we liked it. Yeah. And then, uh, do you know if uh, that third Stephen King film, the sequel to The Shining, is that coming out this year? Yep, in November. All right. Interesting to see how that one fares. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Yeah, I figured you would be. Okay, cool. Well, any, any other background? I think that's it. Let's, let's move on. All right. Uh, before we get in the plot and our review... Um, do you mind if I go eat some food really quick? I just got some Chinese takeout and wanted to dive in. Sure, man. Go for it. All right. I'll be right back. All right, man. I'm back. Yeah, how was your food? Uh, you know, it was, it was pretty good. Uh, but this really weird thing happened. One of the fortune cookies, when I opened it, it just had your name on it. And then when I went to eat it, it turned into like this winged uh, baby demon that like was chasing me around the room. 
It's kind of crazy. <laughs> I'm going to have to write it up about it in my Yelp review. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> what is up with these fortune cookies? <laughs> yeah, I know. But fortunately, they, there was like a huge bowl of them, so I could just open another one. <laughs> yeah. And the noodles were good. Yeah, the noodles were great. Did you Three notice, stars. Did you notice how many fortune cookies they got? They got like a whole bowl of them. Yeah, and they weren't wrapped. Yeah, yeah. That's not how Chinese restaurants work. That really annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just unlimited fortunes, I guess. I don't know. Um, That scene was pretty bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I feel like I had something to say. God, apologies to the listeners. I've got a new parent brain, so I'm going to be messing up a lot. <laughs> oh, we haven't done this in a while, so I don't think we've mentioned yet. If you're a new listener, spoils, spoilers are coming. Yeah. The spoils are coming. Yeah, here comes the plot and all the spoilers. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so yeah, the, this movie kicks off we're 2016 in Derry. So this is 27 years after the first movie. And it starts on this uh, gay couple who are at a carnival. And they get attacked by some bullies and pretty brutally beaten up on the road outside of the carnival. Um, one of them gets thrown off a bridge into the river. And when his partner goes down to rescue him... Uh, he sees um, his boyfriend getting pulled out by a, a clown, which, you know, as the viewer, we know is Pennywise. And then Pennywise does his Jaws of Death thing and just takes a chunk out of the guy's stomach and kills him. Um, so this is, this is uh, you know, a, a pretty strong opener. Kind of like the first film where, you know, we have Georgie by the uh, water. How, how do you think this opening compared to the chapter one? I didn't love this opening as much because it didn't have any of the main characters in it. So to me, it didn't really have any emotional impact. Yeah. And I didn't think it was as scary. Like you see Pennywise pull him out and do the jaws, but there's no suspense like there was in the first, in the opening scene to the first film. Yeah, you're right. I think the scary part in this opening was more of those like bullies and like how, uh, like they were going to town on these guys and like, yeah, it was pretty brutal and yeah, yeah, just rough and mean and. Yep. Not fun. We, which, which is a theme from the first film. We saw that with uh, Henry, right? That, is that his name? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Just bullying. Steve, I mean, Stephen King's huge into bullies. Like, Yeah. I feel like you'd be hard-pressed to find some Stephen King fiction that doesn't include a bully. Yeah. And bullying... As a- I'm saying that, I'm thinking of ones that don't, but <laughs> but you get the idea. Yeah. He yeah. likes it a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. Core element. And actually, I want to come back to that bullying theme uh, at the end, because I, I think this has some interesting... Um, I, I'm not sure what his his, uh, his narrative on bullying it really is, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Not not as uh, powerful as the opening from chapter one, but a different type of scare. Um, yeah, yeah. So so then we go uh, to Mike, who's still living in Derry, and he's like kind of shackled up in living at in this library, monitoring a police radio, and he hears the story of um, you know this death that just happened. Uh, so he calls up each of the losers, which is what these five or six friends called each other. And there's a scene, uh, there's a number of scenes where he's calling each one. We see them all like in their modern day lives. A lot of them have moved into the city or somewhere else. And when they get this call from Mike, they're just like reacting in like this really shocked way. And one of them actually like kills themselves and the others uh, agree to come back. Um, Did this, you know, because like there are four or five main characters here, did this feel like repetitive to you at all? <laughs> a little bit. And I know we talked about, I think I mentioned on my first viewing of the 2017 movie, this, the scenes where every single character got their encounter with Pennywise started yeah. to feel tedious to me. Yeah. Uh, this movie did in a little bit too. It had a lot of the time with them separate rather than together, which I think maybe was a little bit of a flaw. Right. 
And it did get tedious because it just kind of felt like after a while you're checking the boxes. Yeah, now it's this one's turn. Now it's the next one's turn. Now it's this, One it, thing that got really tedious with me, <laughs> it, Mike never, he always just said, hey, it's Mike. And every character was like, Mike who? And he's like, Mike so-and-so from Derry. And he did it every single time. It's like, wouldn't you learn after the first or second <laughs> yeah. call to start giving your last name and how they know you? I know. 27 years later, you can't just call up and say, it's Mike. Yo, it's Mike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, side note, we should tell our friend Mike <laughs> that when he calls us in 27 years to, to tell us his last name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they, they all kind of uh, show up. One of them kills themselves in the bathtub. The rest of them uh, show up to Derry and um, they go to this Chinese restaurant and uh, they're, they're chit-chatting and it's kind of having a good time. There's like this nice kind of heartwarming scene of like old friends connecting uh, making fun of each other. I think Bill Hader was like really well cast as as the older Richie. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, his, he brought like so much comedy to the role. It was great. So was Eddie. Yo, yeah, those two had a great dynamic. Yeah, and I thought James McAvoy too. They were all just perfectly cast for their their younger counterpart parts. Yeah, actually, I feel like Jessica Chastain is just the so and so casting. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like she has red hair, so people are just like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, obviously, yeah, obviously. <laughs> But yeah. she, I don't know, facially, I didn't think she looked that much like Bev. Well, what about Ben, though? I mean, he was the one that had, like, the bi- biggest change. He goes from, like, you know, who he was as a younger kid to this older, like, chiseled guy. He didn't think that was Yeah, big... but I actually thought his face looked kind of similar to the kid. Yeah. Like, the high cheekbones and stuff. Yeah, I know they say that guy. I can kind of see it. It happens. Uh, yeah, really, really well cast, and, and then we get some good character building in this. Um, but then, uh, they're starting to, I think, try to recall like their childhood. A lot of them, I guess, just don't remember it or they've forgotten it. Um, you know, for some reason they've like repressed these memories, but it slowly starts to come back. And as it does, the fortune cookies turn into like little monsters that start attacking them and they start like beating them up. And, uh, basically the, the waitress comes in and they realize that they were just kind of hallucinating this. Uh, what did, what did you think of this scene? Was this scary or goofy? Um, kind of goofy. I didn't mind this scene. Um, so to me it wasn't scary and was goofy, but I was okay with some goofiness in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, you know, my expectations were a little tempered when I went into this. Like I was so excited for this movie, but I had already seen some mixed reviews and Whitney on our discord server, uh, had already talked about how she really strongly disliked it. Oh, so yeah. So uh, how did you feel? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. It felt kind of silly, but the production value was so good and like the monsters looked kind of cool. That they were I, creative. Yeah, yeah, they were really creative and different. So I, I didn't mind it. it was, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think in my mind, I need the whole time, like this doesn't happen at a Chinese restaurant. Uh, must be a vision. <laughs> so uh, so now, now they kind of realize and, and, and uh, they open up some fortune cookies and they realize there's a message in there that talks about their friend who's killed themselves. So they realize they're being targeted again. They're remembering like what happened 27 years ago. And most of them, their initial reactions, we got to get out of here. We're not hanging around. We don't want to fight this thing. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if you mentioned, but their, their memories were like completely blank. Like they didn't, they straight up didn't remember their childhoods. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't get, like, was it that they had all repressed it or was there, this is like a men in black thing where like someone flashed a light and. I, I think it's something supernatural about Derry because Mike says later, like, anybody who leaves this town yeah. forgets yeah. everything about this town, essentially. And Mike remembered everything because he stayed in Derry. 
I couldn't tell if that was like a universal comment on leaving uh, your childhood town um, that you just like forget it, or was he saying like specific to Derry? Like if you leave this place, you, you forget things. It was specific to Derry. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, then okay, that makes sense. So yeah, they they they're now like starting to remember what what I guess they'd previously forgotten and and been wiped out. Uh, so they they freak out. Uh, most of them head back to the hotel to leave town, but Bill and Mike go back to Mike's place. And Mike kind of drugs Bill in a way and then, like, shows him um, this artifact that he got from these Native Americans, which shows kind of the backstory of it, which is that um, it came from uh, space and then, you know, haunted this area. And then the Native Americans were able to defeat him with a ceremony called the Ritual of Chud. Is that how you pronounce it? Sure. Yeah. All right. I don't remember. Yeah, it, it, it somehow he convinces Bill that like we need to do this ritual again because that's what these Native Americans did and what I've learned. Uh, so I think I think that covers like its backstory, right? Yeah. Yep. Which was kind of half-hearted. Yeah. Right. In my opinion, it was. Yeah. I mean, you just saw something come from the sky and some. Uh, yeah, it, it was kind of half-hearted. Uh, so, so, okay. So as part of the, this, doing this ritual, uh, each loser in this group has to go find an artifact from their past. And then, um, we get into similar to in chapter one where each one, you know, breaks up and follows them as they go to visit like an old childhood place and try to get an artifact. And in so doing, they run into it again. And it feels again, like four or five, like separate stories pretty much. Yeah. Um, and yeah, does that feel like it really repetitive to you? It started to. I still enjoyed seeing everybody's background story and stuff, but yeah, but yeah, it did get a little repetitive. Yeah, I I, I think my favorites were um, Jessica Chastain's her, her character, and w- which I think was in one of the trailers actually. And then uh, I thought, oh Rich, yeah, that that was great. Yeah, yeah, she goes to, like this uh, the, her old apartment. There's an old woman there who's like serving her, and this old woman kind of turns into the clown, and it's really cool. And then uh, I thought Richie had a really cool one where like that Paul Bunyan statue is like chasing him around. Oh uh, yeah, his was his was okay. Did did you like one of the other ones? I really liked um Oh shoot, I'm forgetting the kid's name. The uh the chubby guy oh, who's hot uh, now. Ben? Who's it like Ben. Yeah. Uh, he's like in he dreams he's in class and Bev's next to him and she like they're like gonna kiss and then she's like, Did you think I would seriously like kiss someone like you? And yeah. she's just an illusion and then she like catches on fire and she's like, January embers yeah yeah that was pretty taunting that was good yeah i like that one yeah that was, that was a fun one um i think eddie like sees uh a sick person in a basement like sees visions of his mother and mm-hmm. bill what what happens to bill oh he's he's in the sewer right he's like he's getting that book from the sewer or the boat out of the sewer yeah yeah and he comes across a kid and tells him not to play in the sewer and the kid says he's he's heard voices from his drain in his house and he's like Get the hell out of here. Yeah, yeah. He yells at some kid. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that all happens. Um, and then, uh, meanwhile, uh, as this is all happening, there's a side story here where Henry, uh, from the first one, who was like this punk kid who killed his dad and was like this big bully and who tried to kill these kids. Uh, but we thought he had died in the first one. But I had a feeling he was still alive. It turns yeah, out- that was what I wanted to mention earlier. You you called it, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they never explicitly showed his death. Uh, so yeah, he, he's been in a mental institute this whole time. Uh, he, get, he, uh, sees uh, a balloon 
and his dead friend shows up to him in the mental institute and hands him a knife. He's able to escape, and now he's coming after the losers. And at one point, he breaks into the hotel and is able to like cut Eddie's face, but he's able to cut him back, and uh, and Henry escapes. And then Henry attacks Mike later, but then Richie kind of kills him. I feel like in both movies, Henry's like this, you're building him up the whole movie, like he's like this bully that's coming after them. But then like within like two attack scenes, he's like wiped out pretty easily. Did, did yeah, you... Henry made more sense in the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, I felt like he truly was another antagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might be a screenwriting thing that I've read in the one screenwriting book that I have. Like when you have a supernatural antagonist, it can help to have a, uh, a human antagonist as oh, well. Sure, like a parallel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, he really was... He was unnecessary in this movie. He only, yeah, he only had like two scenes and <laughs> yeah, it was completely in, inconsequential. It was, yeah. There are actually a few stories like that that I think are inconsequential in this, which, which we'll talk about. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of criticisms saying this movie is kind of like overstuffed and a bunch of stuff that goes nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's true. Yeah, right. And then that's a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then all these losers, basically, they have these artifacts. They head to this underground cave where they had battled it in uh, in Chapter 1 and find a tunnel, and they go keep going down. And they come to this spot where they do this ceremony, and uh, these lights show up, and they think for a minute that they've been able to defeat the spirit by capturing it in this um, artifact. But then it uh, comes back out, and he's still alive and kind of laughing at them, and he turns into this giant spider clown and he's chasing them around. They all get split up, and they go into these like uh, uh, into these sequences, like kind of nightmare sequences that alludes back to them and their childhood nightmares, I guess. Um, and then finally, uh, there's some more battling going on. Eddie gets killed after trying to save Richie, um, and then somehow they figure out that the only way to kill it is by making him feel small. And they do this by you know insulting him. And uh, just like, you know, saying really mean things to him. And the monster just shrinks and shrinks until uh, it becomes so small that they can reach in and tear its heart out. And then they destroy it. And then um, that's kind of where I'm wondering, because, you know, we talk about bullies in this movie and in chapter one. Don't they basically defeat it by like turning into bullies? (laughs) Essentially, yeah. Yeah, that that was really confusing. which, yeah, and then the movie ends with about 10, 20 minutes of them saying goodbyes and, you know, long uh, monologues about life and losers and all that stuff. Um, right. I don't know, anything else to add? Yeah, yeah, we can go back and, and pepper some stuff in. Um, yeah. Like there's uh, Eddie and Richie. Well, Richie, it's revealed when, when Eddie dies that Richie was in love with Eddie. Did you get that from the, the carving that he had in the on the fence? Yeah, and I think that maybe in a scene from what I read online, it sounds like maybe there's a scene where like one of them is rubbing the other's leg. Oh. Uh, mm. When they're like hanging out in a hammock. I just read that online. I can't remember that scene in either film. Um, and there's a scene in Richie's little childhood flashback where he's in an arcade playing mm. with some other kid and he like, gives him slip his own coin and like holds onto his hand for a second longer than normal and yeah starts to get bullied for being gay yeah that, i mean it was a very like small sub subtext that they, they try to put in there but they didn't really flesh out at all but yeah i mean that's one thing we're made aware of but i'm not sure how it played into the story really in a significant way i think it just added some depth to the character relationships also when you've got like a bunch of characters 
and there's what like five dudes and and one lady might as well add some other another relationship in there yeah yeah that's true um you know i, um, I didn't pick up on the love story between eddie and, and richie but that that's interesting makes sense really yeah i mean I, I at the end he's like scratching out uh it says r plus e on on this fence but uh, i didn't like feel like uh yeah I, I, like was it mutual that's what I don't know. I don't know if it was mutual or not, but mm. it was clear that Richie had the feels for Eddie. Oh, okay. By yeah. the way, the guy who played Eddie was that dopey cop in Sinister that we love so oh, much. Oh, that's where he's from. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy was good. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so that, that, that was cool they threw that element in, but I, I just feel like they could have given that a little bit more light. It kind of felt like a line item that they didn't really address fully, but... Yeah, yeah, because it, it really wasn't clear until the end that that's what was going on. Yeah, yeah, right. There were a lot of things that weren't addressed fully. Yeah, and so yeah, as, as you mentioned earlier, there's like some storylines. There's uh, a young girl that we see at one point get eaten by it. There's this kid that they keep running into that gets eaten by it in like this fun house, which I thought that was kind of a cool scene. But I loved that scene, and it was like it fit well into Bill's story of like him feeling guilt over being the cause. Mm-hmm. not really but he feels like it was his fault that his brother died yeah right and so then he sees this kid he warns him to get out of town and then at one point pennywise like sends down a skateboard down some steps in the hotel and on the bottom of the skateboard it says like you won't save him you won't be there for him either or something like that. oh yeah and yeah. so then he runs to the fair he knows this kid's at the fair or something and tries to save the kid runs into the fun house after them and sees pennywise kill him yeah that was a cool and that scene. was a great scene, just because I think fun houses are creepy as hell, and I think it was good character, character arc for Bill. For Bill to have that happen to him again. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, and because then at the end of the movie, he kind of forgives himself. Yeah, there was so much going on here from an emotional standpoint. Um, I didn't, I didn't really understand a lot of it, like uh, how I guess like you know starting with how they defeated it by like figuring out that they need to make him small emotionally. I guess. Um, how did they get arrive at that, that like that's what's going to defeat him? It was some quote that Mike knew, maybe from the Native Americans or from the ritual, like he can only occupy a space of a... I can't remember what the quote was, but it was essentially like he can't be any bigger than the space that he occupies. I don't know. And then he like repeated the quote and they realized that they had to make him small. So then they, I think they were originally going to go through like a small tunnel so that he would be small when he chased him through it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I can't remember how they decided, hey, insults will make him smaller yeah, too. I know. <laughs> they really took a gamble there on that. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. Here. I mean, it's a long movie, so there's stuff that I just straight up forget. Yeah. I managed to make it without leaving to pee, but I think my brain turned off every... Yeah, maybe every thirty minutes or so, my brain took like a two-minute rest. <laughs> yeah, it, it had to. Uh, yeah, they, it's a, it's weird. Also, a chapter one, like at the end, what like the way they defeat him, I think is by like they stop believing in him, and like they start throwing rocks at him, and that sends him back. And so in this right. one, they they make him little. I just I, I don't get like how in one they are able to kill him, but in the other one they're not able to kill him. When it seems like a similar concept. Yeah, I feel like in one they just essentially prematurely ended his little killing spree and in two they were like all out killing him mm-hmm. yeah right one is more of a pause yeah but boy i mean that ritual thing the whole plot of the movie was essentially that mike knew this ritual and they had to go get these artifacts mm-hmm. and then they came back and did it and then it just straight up 
<laughs> didn't work and it was revealed that Mike knew it didn't work for the Native Americans, but it was just like, it wasn't really that much of a moment. It was just like, oh, Mike. Yeah, you should have said something. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, what? This was the whole plot of the movie, this ritual, yeah, and it's yeah. just useless. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess I get it. Um, that's how movie plots work. Sometimes things don't work or more complications arise, but it was just like totally unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, which I still feel like I think we talked about this in the original It episode I keep saying original but I'm talking about 2017 It where we weren't sure if Gary Dauberman or Doberman was a good writer or not yeah Uh, he did all the Annabelle movies right and the last It but he did last It with some other dudes oh yeah and he did The Nun by himself as well Mm. and the Nun, we thought, was a pretty bad screenplay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, guess I would put this more on par with The Nun than uh, it writing-wise versus uh, the first It. Yeah, I think the plot in The Nun... I feel like he's decent with, like... I thought there were a lot of funny lines in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's decent with dialogue, although there were some cheesy lines, too. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, The Nun's plot was just... I think we were both just like, why did they even do that or need to yeah. make that happen and yeah. that was like a lot of the mechanics of the plot in the nun and in this just didn't make that much sense yeah completely unnecessary especially at the runtime that this had it was like almost three hours long could have two been. hours and 49 minutes yeah yeah definitely a lot that could have been edited down i mean a little bit yeah. sharper uh yeah, yeah I th- i'd say take the bully out of there oh uh, yeah yeah that was pretty unnecessary yeah um but you know at the same time he's trying to align to a book that's like you know a thousand plus pages so. Right, right. So you got to make some hard decisions in that in that scenario. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, what, what what did you think overall? Like, uh, what worked, what didn't work? Yeah, I mean, as much as we're criticizing it, and I, I, this is a movie where I like people who love it. I'd be like, okay, cool, like I get it. And people who hate it, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I thought some good points since we already talked about some of the bad stuff the acting was solid as yeah. we mentioned and the casting was spot on and mm-hmm. they did a good job channeling their child selves um and I, th- I still thought it was funny like some of the funny lines that happen at dark moments i know a lot of people didn't like that but i kind of liked it yeah yeah um after eddie's character gets stabbed in the mouth by henry bowers he's like walking out of the bathroom after he stabs him <laughs> back and he's like by the way you should cut that moment it's been 30 fucking years <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> yeah. That, that, Which I nice thought, and I thought that was true to Eddie as a kid. Like, they made jokey lines at dark moments in, in the first one, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was really cool how, how aligned these characters were still were to they cared self. And, like, yeah, I think that really carried the film. Yeah. Um, I wish they had focused more on Mike in the first one because he's kind of the crux of the plot in this one. But it was just, like, yeah, his character never really mattered that much for him to be the one that stayed behind. Even in this one, though, as the crux, there's like a whole like 40 minutes where you don't see Mike, where like they're all like going through their own like stories and, or right. like hanging out at the hotel. Like Mike's kind of always been in the background in chapter one and chapter two. I, I never feel like they've given him like the time he deserves on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and an, a, one scene I really liked that we didn't talk about was this a scene where Stanley's childhood severed head appears. Mm hmm. Uh, or maybe it's his body and they cut his head off. I can't remember. But then his head turns into a spider. Yeah, right, and attacks them. Yeah, that was that was a great scene. Yeah, I, I did think, like, uh, the scares were... There were a lot more and it was a lot bigger in this one. Um, yeah, I mean, just I mean, a longer runtime, but you had more scares uh, and scary scenes going on. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to hear how you felt about this, but I thought the CGI did get kind of cartoony at certain points. Yeah, I don't know if cartoony, I, I just feel like there was so much of it that at some point uh, the effect was kind of lost. But uh, yeah. you think it almost got like kind of goofy? Yeah, like I loved the old lady scene with uh, Bev. Yeah. Um, and the old lady herself was creepy, but when she ran, her monster ran out, like I I loved it when her monster ran out, but I was like laughing because it was kind of a cartoon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought was good, but it just wasn't it wasn't scary. It wasn't quite the same. Right. And and I think you called this out in the first one. Like the, uh, they kept using the similar scare pattern where like it just runs at you really fast and kind of like wobbles back and forth. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like the herky jerky movement. Yeah, yeah, they really did a lot of that. And I, I think with the old lady too, somewhere. Yep. What did you think of uh, Pennywise? So I, f- I feel like he was, I thought a little bit scarier in this one. Um, I can't, just, I thought he was, I actually thought he was a little scarier in the first one. Like mm-hmm. the Paul Bunyan scene didn't, I didn't actually like that. I just, that was a little silly to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that funhouse scene was pretty creepy. Yeah. I think we saw him like eat more people in this one than he did in the last one. Yeah. I guess I just got a little bored of like him just chomping. <laughs> That's his move. Chomping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the whole spider thing, I didn't think it was like too frightening at the, at the end. No, I didn't think it was frightening. It was cool, but it wasn't that scary. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but basically like. I didn't love the plot, but it was characters that I loved, mm-hmm. and they were back in Derry taking on Pennywise again, so so I had fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you uh, on all those points. Um, Worthless Side Stories cool, uh, plot was, yeah, kind of all over the place. Um, production, But the production, the, the acting, the cast, though, it was all really good. Um, one of the things that, that, that kind of bothered me is, like, when you watch a normal horror movie, the tension builds... But I think in this one, because you have like different stories that it's following, if I felt like it would start and stop and start and stop, and that, that kind of just, uh, I don't know, that kind of killed it for me on the scary movie side. Yeah, yeah, and some people are criticizing the fact that when they're they encounter scary stuff as kids in this one, like you know, nothing's actually going to happen. So yeah, I didn't understand. There's only so much at stake. Yeah, I, I never knew what was at stake because like they could have been eaten any time or like they could have been killed at any point. Why weren't they? Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't sure. Just like a haunted yeah, house. Yeah, it got a little weird how they kept escaping him. Yeah. When so many other people in the town were dying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With these kids somehow. Uh, it was all just like illusions or something for these guys. Um, how many old naked ladies serving tea would you give this one? I give this 3.5 old naked ladies serving tea. For all the criticisms, I had fun. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I, I got to agree with you. It was fun. It was a good, uh, it was fun to watch. Uh, and despite the story, uh, yeah, I think I would agree. 3.5 sounds about right. 3.5. Cool. Naked ladies, yeah. Uh, anything else to add? That's it. Right. Um, I think actually we should mention in that, that spider scene where Stanley's head turns into a spider that I think it's Bill Hader who says, you've got to be fucking kidding. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's a throwback to uh, The Thing. Somebody says that in the oh no in the spider scene in the thing yeah oh hey yeah uh, speaking of throwbacks or, or just like references uh, they're con- constantly making fun of well like in the beginning we know like Bill is this film writer and everyone's criticizing his books that he's written because they have such terrible endings um, I kind of thought that was funny because they're making fun of Stephen King right yeah yeah Stephen King definitely 
I think he wrote that into the book, making fun of himself. I think. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just mean. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I appreciated that reference. That was good. And then uh, another reference, I, I think at one point you see um, Jack Nicholas from The Shining, right? Uh, Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we see him, but somebody says, Here, here's Johnny, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I, it's Bev's dad or something. Oh, I guess it could be, yeah, but it's kind of a reference to The Shining. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's always interesting when other pop other Stephen King things are referenced in Stephen King works but you barely even notice it because it's just become so much a part of pop culture yeah yeah exactly you just think it's out there yeah uh, well cool man Any, anything else to add cool that's it alright well, this is a fun one to watch yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's all for our discussion on It Chapter 2. If you enjoyed the episode, uh, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we very much appreciate it. If you want to join the discussion, find our social links on horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. Uh, we also now have a Discord server where we're chatting with a few listeners and fellow horror fans. So you can find the link to that on our website and join the conversation. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're meeting up at a Chinese restaurant with all your friends, uh, check out the Yelp reviews first and make sure to look out for those fortune cookies. Mm-hmm.